When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, it's finally happened. The day that I didn't want to admit I knew was on the horizon has finally arrived. Allen Robinson, no longer a member of the Chicago Bears. He is signed with the Los Angeles Rams, so much so. uh, The Rams wasted no time in uh, putting the photos up on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Like, look at, like, we just broke up with Allen Robinson. You don't have to rush to social media. Start posting his photos of you two together all over the place. And that's exactly what the Rams did. And it's breaking my heart. And uh, I thought I was prepared for it. I thought I was going to be okay. I've been saying all along, I don't care. If the Bears cannot resign Allen Robinson, I just want him to be happy. I want him to flourish. And now that it's happened, I don't want any of those things. I want him to be miserable in a Bears uniform. Suffering with that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, very happy for Allen Robinson. I don't think that they're listen, it's a great, it's a great situation for him to land in. Number one, uh, even though the Rams are the defending Super Bowl champions, uh, we haven't learned to hate them yet. They still seem very likable. Sean McVay, likable guy. Wes Sneed, a likable. Like you just you like these people. Matt Stafford could never hate him. He played for the Lions, never hated him. So I think it's great. And I want Allen Robinson to enjoy this season. And then in the future, once once the Bears get their stuff together, uh, we're coming for you, but enjoy it right now. And as a matter of fact, right now, Sammy, let's start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. And the last time that we were with you, uh, George Bayless and I were here with the the Sick Podcast on Thursday morning. I was getting ready to go play PGA West. And a lot has happened since that time. As a matter of fact, while we were doing that show, we had talked, and I ain't even joked, like, hey, once once we're done, something momentous is going to happen. Now, we figured it might be Allen Robinson. Perhaps we would sign somebody, which didn't happen. But a great thing happened. Devontae Adams was traded. By the Green Bay Packers. And you know what? I think that you can look at it and it's a savvy business move. And perhaps the Packers shouldn't be paying all this money for a guy who's on possibly on the wrong side of 30. I get all of that. But to me, it just shows you. What I've been saying all along is that nobody wants to play with Aaron Rodgers. Nobody. What? Who's the big free agent? Who is the big free agent who has signed with the Green Bay Packers? Tom Brady. Goes to Tampa Bay. Everybody's knocking down the door to go play with them. Aaron Rodgers has been in Green Bay for a millennium. 
And his top receiver's like, yeah, I want to get out of here. Please let me go to Las Vegas. And I love Derek Carr and everything, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers, some consider the best quarterback in the game. And Devontae Adams could not wait to get out of there. And what I cannot wait for right now is to bring in our first guest. Uh, he's a he's a repeat guest. Uh, he's from the Draft Network. Let's bring in Brian Perez, if we could. Brian, how are you? Thank you so much for uh, for being one of the few, one of the privileged few to be a return guest. I know, by the way, I know that George Berlissimo thought that he was the first return. I think it was Draft Dr. Phil who was the first one. But listen, that's for another day. How are you doing this evening? Thank you so much for being here. Well, it is an honor to be back again. Uh, obviously, I'm in elite company with Draft Dr. Phil and Berlissimo. I'm glad to be the third member of that trifecta. I'm thrilled to be back, Adam. And it's it's a good day in the NFC North, even though Aaron Rodgers is back. You know, his ro- the Robin to his Batman is gone. So at least we get a small win there. Yeah, he went to go be Nightwing in uh, <laughs> in Las Vegas. They're going to get it. They'll, they'll find another one. Dick Grayson's gone. Here comes Tim Drake. It doesn't matter. What do we make of it, though? What, from a football perspective, it sincerely, I know that Aaron Rodgers has done a great job of, of getting the most out of a lot of receivers, but it significantly impacts him for this coming season, right? I mean, it certainly does, at least on paper and, and most likely in production in the box score. But if we look at the history of the Green Bay Packers and their passing game, if we go all the way back to Brett Favre, the one consistent variable in these explosive offenses has always been the quarterback. I mean, Brett Favre went from Sterling Sharp to Antonio Freeman and Robert Brooks. He made these guys superstars. And we've even seen that with Aaron Rodgers, who had Donald Driver at one point, And Jordy Nelson was the Devontae Adams before Devontae Adams. And then Devontae Adams becomes that guy. So the question really, in my opinion, is who's next in Green Bay? I think it's a foregone conclusion that Aaron Rodgers is going to turn someone like Alan Lazard into your next 1,300-yard, 12-touchdown guy, and suddenly Lazard is going to be considered one of the best in the league. I'm just saying that as an example. Uh, When you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, it's like when Peyton Manning was with the Colts and even the Broncos, every receiver suddenly moves up a tier or two because of that quarterback. So we'll see. The real I'm really interested interested to see, you know, the chicken versus the egg theory, right? Was it Devontae Adams who made Aaron Rodgers have these back-to-back MVP seasons? Or are we going to see the real Devontae Adams out in L.A. with Derek Carr throwing him the ball? So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out on both sides. I like the Freudian slip of saying that the Raiders are L.A. because a lot of people would contend that the Raiders are still the number one team in Los Angeles, despite the fact that the Rams have just won the Super Bowl. It's it's absolutely the truth. Yeah. Uh, make no mistake about it. And, and honestly, Las Vegas is kind of an L.A. suburb. So I get it. Like I always joke, I, I say the same thing. We have three L.A. teams, including the Raiders. <laughs> I, I mean, I, number one, approaching this from a fantasy perspective there, I will absolutely overdraft Alan Lazard for that very reason. When you start to look at the receivers over the course and you forgot, like Greg Jennings was in that mix, James Jones, James Jones, who's not only a colleague of mine, I would consider James Jones a friend of mine. I really would. And I've told him to his face. I tell him, I always say this stuff to his face. I go, you are the most annoying person. Like there was just something about you. I hated the fact that you wore a hoodie and you were so good. You, you had 14 touchdowns one season. I swear to you, eight of them came against the Bears. <laughs> Always killed us. So I have no doubt about it. They'll draft the, you know, and the Packers draft pretty well outside of Jordan Love, which was their one true mistake over the last number of years. I know everybody misses on some 
you know, draft pick. So you can't prospect 100% accuracy. They will draft a wide, they have to draft a wide receiver in the first round. That player will probably be decent. And uh, I think we're going to be there at the end of next year being like, I hate whomever their top receiver is, but it's just inevitable that they're going to find a great receiver. But I do think that Devontae Adams was something special in somebody who was a little bit different. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you don't you don't produce at that level, regardless of your who your quarterback is. I mean, Devontae Adams, it wasn't like he was just a beneficiary of perfectly thrown footballs every time. He's right. an elite route runner. He's a great contested catch receiver, a great uh, you know, rack guy. So he clearly had a lot to do with the level of success he enjoyed. But it's you know, you can't ignore history. You can't ignore the yeah. fact that these quarterbacks in Green Bay, Greg Jennings is a great example that that I forgot about. These guys always find a way to make their receivers level up once they get their chance. And, you know, we've seen a lot of those guys go other places outside of Green Bay and not produce nearly on that level. So it's going to be interesting to see if Adams can kind of break that trend. Yeah, it's very true. I think that Jennings was okay. I do. But again, it, it is annoying like, you want to be like, oh, they've drafted all these great – James Jones played pretty well for the Raiders, too. I, the, all their guys – like, Jordy played for the Raiders, right? Like, that, like all their guys just go to the Raiders. I don't know what it sure. is. They're like, yeah, we got to get out of here. We're going to go play for the Raiders. Somebody's going to step up. And I think for us, I think it's always fun to poke, poke, at the, poke at the optics. Like, this does not look – like, this does not look great. Like, when you're number one guy, like – and now it comes out where you're like, hey, we want – like, we wanted to pay him more – we wanted to give him more than the Raiders did. The guy just wanted to leave. And it leads me to believe a couple of things. Number one, nobody wants to play with Rodgers, as I said. Like, listen, that's the truth. And number two, like, maybe there is a sense that even though Aaron Rodgers signed for a number of years, maybe he doesn't want to play very long. And maybe Devontae Adams realized, like, look, I can't lock myself into four years if I think that Rodgers is going to bounce after two or even one year. And who was in charge of putting that message out there from the Packers, right? I mean, if you're Green Bay, the last thing you want to do is tell the NFL media world that you tried to keep Devontae Adams. You made him a better offer than what the Raiders made him, and he still voluntarily chose his college quarterback over his pro quarterback. I mean, that does, like you said, Adam, not to beat a dead horse here, but that does go a long way in telling the true story of what the relationship is between Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Last year, this time, we're getting all these emotional tweets, the last dance and all this stuff, and it was yeah. all about this this connection and bond that they formed throughout the years. It didn't have to be the last dance, right? Devontae Adams had an opportunity. If we believe the Packers for what they're telling us, Devontae Adams had a chance to make just as much, if not more, money then he's making with the Raiders stick with his guy, Aaron Rodgers, run it back again in green Bay. And he chose, he voluntarily chose to leave. You trust the person by their actions, not their words. And Devonte Adams told us the whole story with his actions between his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. And I know a lot of people will be, you know, isn't it sad that you guys have to focus in on the misery of the Packers to which I would say, yeah, it sucks. I, I, I would rather be celebrating the bears right now. Uh, we're not at that point. I think we're going to get there, but right now we're not. So I'm going to sit here and make fun of the Packers because it makes me feel better about the choices that I've made in my life. And speaking of choices, Allen Robinson chose to go to the Los Angeles Rams. And I honestly believe, you know, as long as it, as long as it wasn't green Bay, and I know Jim McMahon had gone there, Steve McMichael had gone there. I was just happy. He didn't go to the Packers. 
going to the Rams, I for for what I don't know if you agreed with my statement at the top about like I don't hate the Rams yet. I don't know. I think it's a pretty good spot for him, and I'm kind of listen. I'm kind of happy for Allen Robinson, and I think it's okay to feel that way. I mean, it's definitely okay to feel that way. I, I was never on board with the the change in narrative around Allen Robinson. Again, you look at last year this time, it was sign the man, extend AR, hashtag extend AR. To this yeah. time around, he's a quitter. He gave up on passes. He doesn't want to be here. And yes, there's plenty of reps on film to suggest that may have been the case. But Adam, you and I both know, everybody who watches the game and follows the game long enough knows this is a business. And these players, yeah. their best commodity, their most valuable asset is their body. And in a lost season on the on the uh, eve of free agency, yeah, some guys might pack it in a little earlier than they normally would or maybe not play at the level that the fans want them to play at. But look around the league. Guys get cut. Look at, for example, the, the uh, prospect, David Ojabo, the edge rusher yeah. from Michigan. He tore his Achilles at his pro day. And just like that, he's no longer considered a first-round pick. He lost millions and millions of dollars because of one freak injury. You got a guy like A-Rob who's already been through that with a torn ACL in Jacksonville. His first trip through free agency was coming off of ACL surgery. He was not going to take those ch- that chance again in for a team that not only was losing – but didn't provide him with that contract when they had the first chance to do it, right? So now he goes to Los Angeles. Maybe he doesn't make as much money as even a Christian Kirk got paid, which is a whole nother story. That's fine. But he's going to a team and going to an offense where you have Cooper Cup on the on one side and the best quarterback he's ever played with, bar none, hands bar. down, in Matthew Stafford. It's going to be a very, very fun show on turf to watch with the Rams. I think Allen Robinson can be in for a career year, maybe not catches wise. I don't know about the volume of targets he'll get, but what he, the opportunities he's going to be given downfield because of accurate passes, because of throws from Matthew Stafford to put him in position to take advantage of his my ball mentality. The best is yet to come from Allen Robinson. And unfortunately for bears fans, this is kind of what I've, I've hinted at on Twitter. You kind of only realize what you have when it's gone. And that's what's going to happen with Allen Robinson, especially when you look at the Bears wide receiver depth chart right now. You know, I mean, we're all getting excited about Byron Pringle. Like, yeah, I'm excited about Byron. I'm I like, I like, I like, like, Byron. I like Byron Pringle. But we're talking about Byron Pringle, right? Yeah. We had Allen Robinson, who we had a- is now going to be one of the top targets uh, for Matthew Stafford. So it's unfortunate that it deteriorated this way. I was a little nervous, Adam, that he was going to end up in Detroit. I thought that that was going to be his way. It's his hometown, his way of coming back at the Bears. Fortunately, it didn't end up that way. Like you said, there's no reason to hate the Rams. Now maybe there's a little reason, extra reason to cheer for him with A-Rob out there. Yeah, I think uh, I really fear being at a a Super Bowl next year, similar to where the uh, Matthew Stafford fans were rooting for the Rams for that reason. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, I'm going to have an Allen Robinson Bears jersey on. Just to be like, this is how I'm associating myself with the Super Bowl. But the cool thing is, is I work, you know, the NFL Network office is right next to SoFi Stadium. You see it when you see the the, 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 the wide shots of SoFi Stadium. You see our NFL Network office is there. I'm going to take an opportunity and make sure that I get like as many credentials as possible. Go down early on those games on Sunday. Go watch Allen Robinson warm up. We'll hang out. And uh, I'll, you know, I think we're still cool. I think him and I, like I. He knows how I feel. I think, you know, just judging by social media and everything, I'm like, okay, we can still be cool. Like, I'm happy for him. Like, it's go do your thing. Uh, not going to be upset about it. And I'm glad that you went to the Rams. I'm glad you didn't go to Detroit. That would have been the worst. As, that would actually would have been a bigger slap in the face 
than Green Bay because Green Bay, you could have actually kind of feared like, ah, you know what? He's going to a winning organization. He's chasing a ring. Why not? He's getting close to 30. Go do what you got to do. Go get that ship. Go do what, go do what's necessary. Detroit would have been like, really? Like a team worse than the Bears you went to? Like that would have been a little bit, even though he's from Detroit, it still would not have been cool. Like, I don't know. I I actually would have probably hated that more than anything. So I'm glad he's in Los Angeles. I can root for him. I'll draft him on my fantasy team, like I said. And, uh, oh, he's going to have a bounce back. When you look at Bobby Woods, his production, you're like, just imagine Allen Robinson doing that. Like, I think that – I think Robinson's a better player. I just think that it's going to be easy for that to translate over. And with Cooper Cup drawing a lot of attention, 100%. you look at how – and you look at – and OBJ's not coming back, at least not immediately, so – there's a lot of good stuff. What about uh, speaking of the Packers and, and players leaving the Zedarius uh, Smith going to the Minnesota Vikings? I think that's I low key kind of a good move for them. I kind of I'm like oh that kind of, I, I don't think that we should have been in on him, but I'm like oh that kind of sucks. Like he's a good player. I don't like him going to Minnesota. What did you think of that move? I, you know, look, I think anytime you can take away a pass rusher who, you know, if, if strictly from a Bears perspective right now, as we kind of enter this second and third wave of free agency and into the NFL draft cycle, has there really been enough of an upgrade on the offensive line to to feel good about when you play against the Packers and some of their pass rushers? Now, it's still in the NFC North and we still got the same problem, right, if it's coming from the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> um, but I feel like the Vikings are further away from being yeah. a deep playoff team. I think the Bears and Vikings are a little closer than maybe the Bears and Packers. So if you take a key defensive starter away from Green Bay, it kind of brings them back to the pack, even if in a way it does tick up the Vikings just a smidge. Uh, anytime the Packers can lose assets, starting assets and, and just um, quality players on either side of the ball, it's, it is a win. And like you talked about earlier, Adam, you know, it's kind of, odd that Bears fans celebrate the losses for the Packers, but this is what rivalries are, right? I mean, yeah. you find not only can you win on the field, but you can also win off the field. And the Bears haven't gotten many wins on the field. We're getting a few dubs here off the field over the last couple of weeks. And the Packers were certainly in all Bears fans' mentions when Chicago traded Cleo Mack. So it's kind of just like karma coming right back yeah. at them now. And uh, so, yes, seeing a guy like Smith leave Green Bay, again, it's a win. It's a win for Bears fans. Um, even if we now have to face them in Minnesota. It's so amazing because Packer fans like to, to ask the rhetorical question, like, why are you so obsessed with Green Bay? Why, why do you always, why are you so obsessed with Aaron Rodgers and all this stuff? And the moment that Allen Robinson goes to Los Angeles, Khalil Mack goes to Los Angeles, there you are in the mentions. Of course. Bukowski, Bukowski, like, who's that, that D-bag? that Bukowski guy or whoever he is. I don't even know. I know what you're um, talking about. But he's he's all like he he tweets more about the Bears than anybody and it's like, "Bro, your team is good. Why do you yeah. care?" Like when my teams are good, like I don't care. Like I don't I don't concern myself with uh with 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 these other teams. Like I'm yeah, I'm a hater now, but I don't want to be. Like 2018, I didn't care about any of these teams. Like whatever, we're going to the playoffs. Like I don't even I mean, I would still make fun of Aaron Rodgers, but you know, the other teams I wouldn't really be concerned with, but these guys can't, you know, stop talking about the Bears, but it is what it is. All right. Hey, let's, uh, we got what well, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. You had a point. I cut No, you I was off. I was gonna say it, you, you mentioned a certain Packers media personality who loves to get aggressive on Twitter. 
that same personality. If you go back and listen to his comments about Aaron Rodgers during the Packers loss, oh man, it's it's just sweet music to Bears fans' ears to have to for him to have to go back now after Rodgers signed that massive contract extension because you know he thought Rodgers was done. So let's yep. let everything out now, right? Every anti-Roger sentiment you can come up with, let it all out. And tooth, you know, the, the old adage, the toothpaste is out of the tube. You can't put it back in. Nope. Uh, watching him backtrack those comments is a beautiful thing. Oh, you can't you can't walk it back, Peter. Is that his first name? I don't know. I know that there, there, there's guys that we like. Yeah, just make make no mistake. We're not talking about Tom Grassi. We're not talking about Aaron Nagler or anybody like that. We're talking about Peter Boo, whatever. He knows who he is. You know who we're talking about. But we got some questions that are going to start rolling in right now. Sammy, what do we have? Oh, my gosh. Sorry, we didn't mean to wake you. Wait. Uh, A-Rob has officially uh, made me hate the Rams. Everyone wants to run to L.A. so they can win a Super Bowl. Shaking my head. What, what, what's wrong with that? Like, that's that's what you should do. That is that is one of the goals of being a very good team is that big-name players will take less money to go sign with you. And perhaps you're thinking, like, the Lakers did this. You know, the Dodgers are doing this now. Uh, the Rams probably and the, and the Chargers without winning are kind of following suit. Again, I am not at the point where I hate the Rams. The, the thing that I hate the Rams for the most is drafting Aaron Donald. That is the one. That Ooh, is the that one thing. Hurt, man. So inexcusable. I that remember. I, I remember I was at Radio City Music Hall. I was working the red carpet. We did a thing with style girlfriend Megan Collins. And this is back when the when the when the draft was at Radio City Music Hall. I love that venue. So even though yeah. I was done, I'm like, I want to hang out. Like it's a great storied tradition of a venue. It's the draft. Megan and I were sitting there, and I go, Oh, the, the Bears are up in two picks. I want to see what happened. And when the Rams took Aaron Donald, it was so shocking. So out of the blue, because remember, the, the, the Rams had Chris Long, Bobby Quinn. They, had a, they, they did not have a need on the defensive line. Like, my gum fell out of my mouth. I was just I, – I couldn't help myself. Like, just I, – I, I scared poor Megan, who uh, – I'm like, I'm so sorry. She's a huge fan of uh, football, so she, she understood. But I'm like, I'm so, – she's like, who is this player? I'm like, this Aaron Donald guy is phenomenal. Like, he shouldn't have even been available. It was one of the worst I, – I just knew – in the moment, like this is one of the worst things that could have happened to us. And it was, you were, where were you when that happened? Probably on my hands and knees praying Aaron Donald would get two more picks to the Chicago. One more pick. It was one Chicago. pick. It was, one, it was pick. one away. And we ended up with Kyle Fuller who, you know, turned into good a player. pretty good, good cornerback. But I remember that draft cycle being so infatuated with Aaron Donald's skill set and all the mock drafts around that time. Every single was, one of them. It was he was a bear. He was a Chicago bear. It was going to happen, and it was falling exactly that way. Bears had a need. He fit the system. He was going to be the guy. So when the Rams took him, it's just you knew. You knew what that meant. You knew that the guy who was going to be a, a you know as long as he plays, he's going to be an All Pro every year, generational level talent. You knew that was going to happen just because we've been down this road before. It's just Bears fans seeming to be snake bitten, right? But yeah. that was the guy. I think we all can bond over that. Aaron Donald draft year. The Bears fans who were diehards yeah. during that era of, of you know the Bears draft cycles, everybody was feeling the same way. It was, it was crazy. Even after the draft, before Aaron Donald played a single game, 
It's like we were all mourning the fact that we didn't get Aaron Donald. And nobody knew who Aaron Donald was yet, but you kind of knew. So it was it's crazy how all these years later, that draft year still sticks out. Almost like this is gonna sound insane, right? It's not, but no, it's if you not. had to ask me about a draft year that I remember as the most painful draft year, most analysts would say, Oh, it's gotta be the Mitch Trubisky year when you passed on not Patrick even, Mahomes, right? Not even close. The first one I would mention is Aaron Donald was one pick away. Yeah. I, I every time. So 100%. for some reason, that one, that one kind of you know brings Bears fans together in you know for not the great reasons, greatest reasons, but it is it's a it's so funny that that's what you remember. Outside of the NFC Championship game loss, outside of losing the Super Bowl, I think that is I think that's number three. Like <laughs> I like it's not even hyperbole. I remember. I, I, hear you. I, I agree with you. I remember walking past Kyle Fuller after he was picked, and I had a I had a a, a, a tie on with Bears color colors. And I even saw Kyle Fuller and I, I feigned a smile and I said, Hey, welcome to Chicago. He was very gracious. He goes, thank you. You know, he's, he's elated. It's like, thank you. And I'm like, this sucks. I was just like, Oh my God, this sucks. And I don't know. And outside of, outside of the people bears, bears draft Knicks and West Sneed, less Sneed, excuse me, less, maybe like maybe bears fan forever. Maybe we do hate the Rams. This will help you. This will help you hate. If you we need we need motivation to hate the Rams, maybe we should start hating on them. Maybe I shouldn't be so buddy buddy. Maybe I'll go unfollow them and block them on Twitter. I know uh, I used to work with Les Needs' wife. Okay, wait, he's back. He's like, uh, let me. Okay, listen, let me put it this way. I hate their quarterback. I hate Jalen Ramsey. Okay, I hate that they have Aaron Donald. I hate their ugly uniforms. And now A Rod uh, goes running to Matthew Stafford. All right, listen. Bears fan forever fourteen. He's building a strong case. You're you're making me hate the Rams. <laughs> you know what? Here's another thing too. I will I will tell you this right now. They train up in a uh, Thousand Oaks, Agora Hills, or wherever it is. It is so far. Like it's not even Los Angeles. Like you're you're basically in Santa Barbara. So they're not even training in LA. They're not even like you can't like I won't rub like I I have no chance of running into Albert, uh, you know, Allen Robinson at the liquor store or at the supermarket or at the, uh, at the Del Taco or anything like that. Like I'll never see him. He's going to be like in a, like three other area codes away. Like at least here where I live right now, I'm actually very close to the chart. I can, I might run into Cleo Mack. I might be at Miguel's <laughs> junior in the drive-through. Cleo Mack could be in the car right behind me. Like we're that close, at least for a couple of years till they move it to El Segundo. But yeah, like let's, I, I will say this, though. I kind of like the Rams uniforms. I didn't like when they redid them because I thought that they had a, a perfect uniform from their the years the year that they lost the NFC Championship game in 85. I thought those were great uniforms, and I thought they should have brought those back, and I didn't like the little modern twist that they put on them. But i got to be honest with you, Brian. I don't hate them. I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not a huge fan. I'm still a, a, a circa Jim Everett quarterback of the Rams days. Those are the uniforms. Right. Yeah, those, those, are, that's the Rams. That you know, those are the Rams. Maybe that's the old head in me talking, but that those are the Rams. Those are classic because you watch the the highlights from the '85 NFC Championship game. Oh, amazing! And the the glorious uniforms that they're losing because, like, the Bears uniform is obviously the best. Yeah, it was a perfect complement to that Rams uniform at yeah, that time too. So it it made perfect sense. So all right, Bears fan forever fourteen, you're starting to you're starting to win me over. Starting to like like you're you're Palpatine right now. 
I'm Anakin at that opera. <laughs> I'm not quite convinced yet, but I'm starting to see your point. I'm starting to come around. So uh, I don't know. If you can get Padme to turn on me or something, I might be in. So who knows? If Alan Robinson unfollows me, then I will be all wow. in. So don't yes. don't don't try to get him to unfollow me, please. <laughs> it is one of my favorite things. Like I still get thrilled. Like I don't know. This is a this is a weird thing for me, but like Olin Krutz, Alan Robinson, uh, Danny Trevathan, um, Akeem Hicks follows me on it. Like that kind of I don't know. It still it still tickles me. Of course. I'm like a little kid. I become a 50. I, I become like a 12 year old kid. Like, oh my God, this player. Talks that's to the me. beauty. That's the beauty of social media. It bridges the gap from what once felt untouchable, right? Connecting with personalities, whether it's, you know, entertainment, sports, what have you. So yeah, I, I agree with you. Alan Robinson interacts with a few of my posts on Twitter because I'm, my account is a pretty pro a Rob account. And yeah. let's be honest, he's on Twitter quite a bit. I think he's, cool. you know, Pretty awesome. much looks for his name on Twitter, which I, I get it, right? Totally. And uh, so anytime he likes something, retweets something, yeah, he's like, yeah, all right. A-Rob, A-Rob gave me a thumbs up. It's pretty cool. I mean, you don't know, like, let's not act like we don't Google ourselves. Like I I was, uh, I had to look something up for my personal history and uh, I stumbled upon a Reddit page about like, hey, how do you feel about Adam Rank? And it's from like eight years ago. Wow. And all these people on Reddit hated me. One guy was like, he's cool, but the rest of them, all the, like, however many message, however many messages there are, every single one of them was angry. Every single one of them hated me. And they're from seven, eight years ago. There was one from five months ago. And it goes, I notice now that rank is more entrenched into NFL network now more than ever. I have to hear his inane comments every half hour. Like we can't get rid of them. I hate, and I'm coming and I'm like, I felt bad for that person. I'm like, I want to reach out to you. Be like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the I'm number so one, the, the number one rule is always don't read the comments. Adam. You got to stay away I, from the comments, right? I read them. Listen, I could get <laughs> a thousand, a thousand. Like, this is a great guy, and then that one person's like, guy kind of sucks. Like, I will focus on the one guy who says I suck more than anything else. Um, I can't help it. I'm a human being. All right. I'm sure though that's not. I'm sure people have questions. So, Sammy, I'm sorry. Uh, why didn't the bears go after Armstead? Brian, you know, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll, I'll make you agree with me. Like, this is what I like to do. This is how I get my, this is how I get my ego back. Uh, honestly, a 31 year old guy who hasn't played a full season and who knows how long, I don't think that's the MO of Ryan Pulse. And again, I know that we've all said this. We've said it on our, we said it on this show. We've said it on our social media feeds. It's like Ryan Pulse told us he's not signing old dudes. Like it's just not going to happen, and he's following. He's following up on his word, and you know what? I I kind of applaud him for it. Yeah, Teron Armstead has always felt, at least in this free agent cycle, free agency cycle, Armstead felt like that offensive tackle that was the missing piece for a team, right? A team that is right there on the cusp of making a playoff run, but they're missing that. That you know, maybe for example, like a Bengals would be a perfect example of a team that needs that one guy at that one spot to put their offense over the over the top. The Bears obviously are not there. They invested a second-round pick in Tevin Jenkins last year. We'll see if he fits the Ryan Poles model for offensive tackle as we get through the offseason program. Larry Borum is a, is a rookie from last year. He's going to have a chance. They got two second-round picks. There will probably be an offensive tackle at some point drafted in the second or third round um, by Chicago. Teron Armstead, that type of 
almost cap killing contract. You only pay that to, like you said, a 30 plus year old offensive tackle with a significant injury history. If you believe he is the difference between playing for a Super Bowl and falling short in the playoffs, you're assuming you're a deep playoff team already. And Armstead puts you into that next tier as a Super Bowl team. The Bears are just trying to figure out who they are under a new head coach, what this roster is going to be built, uh, what the philosophy and, and overall look of this roster is going to end up being under a new general manager. They're not a Teron Armstead away from being a legitimate threat in the NFC. There's several, several players away from getting to that point. So Armstead would have been a, a buyer beware contract for the Bears that by the time the Bears are actually ready to make a run, he'd probably be in his mid-30s. First contract ready to expire in Chicago. And it was kind of like, you know, tens of millions of dollars wasted on a guy that didn't really put the team over the edge. Well, he would he would be ready the following year. We're we're getting closer. All right. But I, I but I but listen, the Rams could make that move. If the Rams wanted to replace Whitworth with Armstead, that would make a lot of sense. You know, wait, who where did he sign, by the way? Miami. Miami. Okay. Um, that's what I thought. I I don't know why I froze on that. Listen, I've been I've been hanging out. I've been I've spent so much time trying to pick my hat for tonight that it, how do you like this? Looks hat, good. It looks good. You made the right choice. Looks good. Would I would I would I lose my credential to cover the Bears if I was wearing this hat? Yes or no? I'm call, kidding. Man. I'm kidding. Listen, listen, I'm I'm joking. I I love this hat, and but I but Armstead would make sense. <laughs> he would make sense for sorry. I'm just being a goofball. Uh, he would make sense for. Uh, for the Rams, like it would be good. Like if he wanted to go to the Rams, he wanted to go to Buffalo, Cincinnati, like Cincinnati would have made a lot of sense. Like they could use the help immediately. I would love that. You know, like that would make a lot of sense. But for the Bears right now, I agree with you. It wouldn't make a lot of sense. I will ask you this though. Actually, I'm going to ask this to the fans. If you're enjoying this podcast, can you just reply right now? Just write sick. Stay sick. Just put it right there in the comments. Let us know if you're enjoying this. I'm enjoying it. Brian, one of course, one of our favorite guests, which is why we brought him back. This is what we do. Uh, again, so happy to have you with us again. This has been a lot. This is still a lot of fun. We still got some questions to get to. Uh, what do we got next, Sammy? Now that Armstead is getting fifteen million, do you think the Bears go after Fisher, uh, who would have to be? Ooh, yeah, sub eleven. Yeah, what do you what do you think? What do you think about uh, Eric Fisher? I mean, I, I I get the connection, Kansas City guy, right? He spent most of his career out there. And- but again, I mean, is he? We kind of went through this. Like we Bears, yeah. Bears fans have to be careful to to try to avoid like it's not necessarily recency bias. It's kind of like overrating the moment of free agency. Because if you think back to last season, uh, there was an outcry of frustration when the Bears were starting Jason Peters over Tevin Jenkins at one point yeah. in the season with the fans wanting the young kid to play, see what you got from the second round pick and let this guy learn on the job. Eric Fisher is not at that point in his career, especially coming off of a serious injury where you could say, is he really a five plus year starter at left tackle for the bears? Maybe even longer than that. I think the answer is obviously no. So why would we sacrifice a year of growth and development of Tevin Jenkins for an Eric Fisher type? We kind of went through that with Jason Peters last year. I think you have to, you know, not be lured into the temptation or lured by by the temptation of these free agents with name value that seem and look and feel like they could be an upgrade. 
But just like nine weeks ago or 10 weeks ago, whatever the last game of the season was, we were all clamoring for Tevin Jenkins to get starters reps. He didn't yeah. suddenly become a bad left tackle or right tackle or a guy who shouldn't get a chance to start or who Eric Fisher is a huge upgrade over. So I think that free agent money should, I mean, we talked about Auden Tate last time I was on. Adam. Yeah. I still right, listen, listen, I, I, I saw you mention him on a tweet. I felt so proud. Like, listen, yes. The dream is still alive. We're still right? doing this. The we're dream still is still alive. This. The, well, the money that you'd spend on an Eric, Eric Fisher, you know, distribute that, um, you know, a couple of one-year deals for some of these free agent wide receivers who clearly are, are looking for a gig at this point, and they're going to probably be bargain basement values. And those are the guys that they play on a one-year deal. They're hungry. You flip that into a three- or four-year deal, you know, 12, 13 weeks into the season. So I don't think the Bears are going to go, you know, deep diving or dumpster diving for a left tackle at this point. I think the best odds we're going to see is a, is a rookie be added in that second or third round, and that's going to be the competition. I think the what we're going to find out from Ryan Poles and his vision for this offensive line is how he drafts players, players that he identifies in this rookie class as being offensive linemen that fit his mold. So, for example, if he ends up drafting an offensive tackle in the third round or second round like a Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan who's a converted tight end, a athlete, all right, like Brian Poles wants the leaner, athletic guys to to play offensive line. If you see him draft a guy like that in the second round, you know Tevin Jenkins doesn't fit his profile as a starting left tackle because he's not the you know the lightest of foot guy. Yeah, he's a top heavy mauler, that big bear at left tackle. So no pun intended. So if <laughs> Brian Poles goes in a different direction with the players he drafts, the profile of player that he drafts, I think then you could start questioning what we're going to see the future of Tevin Jenkins and even Larry Borum, who's another big lumbering guy, what he's going to end up, what his future ends up in Chicago. But to be able to suggest that a guy like Jenkins or Borum don't have that long-term value because they sign maybe an Eric Fisher. I just yeah. don't see that fitting. Ryan Pulse has not given any breadcrumbs yet to suggest that he signed Byron Pringle. Yeah. Right? Byron. Pr what we still don't know what that means, right. In terms of who Ryan Poles is, saying is his guy. Byron yeah. Pringle's a 28-year-old guy, came into the league at 25, 6'1", 203, from Kansas State, had some issues in his background, which is why he's a little bit of an older rookie when he came in, ran a 4'4", 6". He's tall, he's got size, can make plays after the catch, he runs really fast. But does that mean that he's a player that Ryan Poles is going to say trumps the need of a wide receiver in the second round? I, I, I hope not. But we don't still don't so. know. Ryan Poles is so new on the job and has done so little in free agency to give us any clues that I just don't see Eric Fisher fitting the Ryan Poles that we've seen up to this point. No, it, it makes complete sense. And I think that they have to fill out a roster. And it feels like Darnell Mooney is entrenched at least as the number two guy. Pringle comes in as a three or a four. They're just building out a receiver's room right now, and you just need that kind of depth. You need somebody who's going to be familiar with the system. It's good they didn't chase after MVS or anybody like that. And they're just kind of, you know, slow playing this. Just wait, um, slow playing this a little bit. Just like, okay, just kind of plodding along, and they look at the second and third round is where we're going to start picking our guys. I will. I, I do want to ask you, though, we did see this uh, batted about on social media. It feels like Larry Borum could be. I, I don't know. I don't know if we're trying to read too much into everything, 
But do you feel like I'm getting the sense from some people that they act like Larry Borum's on his way out the door. I'm not getting that sense. I'm getting the sense of you need to come in and earn your job more than anything else. What do you, what do you make of that, of what we've heard so far? Yeah, I think the only thing we really know, because Ryan Poles hasn't said much, right? Yeah. What he has said up to this point about his offensive linemen is essentially that he wants them to be lean and good athletes. And that doesn't describe Larry Borum, right? Yeah. So I think if you just kind of connect the dots here, which is what a lot of the fans and media are doing, if that's what, if Ryan Poles is telling us the truth of what he values from an offensive lineman perspective, and Larry Borum is almost the opposite of that profile. Mm-hmm. Is it logical to say that Larry Borum is going to have an uphill battle to kind of regain that potential right tackle of the future gig? Probably. But here's the bottom line. We could say this till we're blue in the face. Larry Borum's going to be the right tackle till they get someone better. I mean, who, yeah. who is the right? If it's not Larry Borum, then who? And to me, when I'm evaluating the Bears roster, or any of these decisions that are being made, like now we have an answer at center, right? When we yeah. came into the free agent period, the theory was, all right, well, Sam Mustafer is not going to be the starting center in 2022. So then you have to answer the question of then who is it at some point, right? And free agency gave us that with Patrick Lucas signed from the Packers. He confirmed he's going to be the center. He's going to play center. Yeah. He's going to start at center for the Bears. Box checked. We still yeah. have an issue at guard. Maybe Larry Borum kicks over into guard because the Bears draft the right tackle. But until that day comes, and the more you talk about this, right, as a Bears fan, you start getting a little bit of that anxious anxiety building because, yeah. Adam, you said something just before, right? The then who question. All right, Darnell Mooney, you described him as a good number two. Byron Pringle, three or four. We don't even have a number one wide receiver in that list, right? Like who's the number one, right? Yeah. And if Byron Pringle's the big free agent signing and we're talking about him as a three, four, there's a lot of holes that still need to be filled at a lot of different places, whether it's is Larry Borum the right tackle or someone else who's going to replace James Daniel at James Daniels at guard. We got the center question answered. He signed a three, four slash five receiver in Equanimous St. <coughs> there's a lot of then who's that we have yeah. no idea what the answer is. And until that answer is provided in some transaction, Larry Borum's the right tackle. Yeah. Like there's just no other option. And then we all get impatient and we're like, why aren't you doing anything? And you're like, well, this is the problem that this is the problem that Ryan Pace got us into. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a huge culprit of that. Right. I mean, I, I tell myself every year I don't want the Bears to sign Marcus Wheaton or Deion Sims or Entrell Roll or any of the long list of Ryan Pace free agent failures that we have seen through the years. And then that first two hours of free agency opens and the Bears you know, maybe Larry Ogunjobi was a, was a exception, but when you don't have that move come, you start feeling like that FOMO, right? The, that you're yeah. missing out on this wave of talented players that could make your team better. Because look, everybody that's in the comments section right now, Bears fans who live and die by the results on Sunday afternoons. You wake up in the morning, fired up for Bears games. You go to bed thinking about the Bears game you watched. You want good players to cheer for, right? You want to have a team that you feel like every Sunday has a chance to win the game. And free agency is a little period of the football calendar where you can add a guy or two or even three that gives you hope that those Sundays are going to result in wins. 
And we have learned a lot through the years that that hope is often fool's gold and doesn't work out. But who cares? At some point, who cares? It gives you in the moment, you feel really good about how your team looks on paper. And when they don't sign anyone, there's that void. And that void is really hard to fill with anything but frustration and anger and rage at the general manager. And then yeah. we get into the draft season and you get players to the draft and then you get into training camp and you start realizing everything's going to be okay. You didn't need that Christian Kirk contract. Don't need it. And, and then next year this time, Bears fans will be laughing at the teams that overpaid and are cutting the guys that we're seeing get signed right now. It's the cycle of football life. The cycle of football life. Great way to put that. Let's go to another question, though, if we have a chance. Oh, okay. Oh, Bears forever, 14, our, our guy or girl. We don't know. Uh, what's your favorite part of the offseason? I love the draft because I love seeing new Bears being drafted. I think there is something satisfactory with a with the draft process and seeing players that you've kind of self-scouted yourself. I know you do great work at the Draft Network, so you're you're far into the weeds way more than I am. I do know. I agree. I, I love the – the draft season, I remember a couple of years ago, if I can toot my own horn for a second, Brian, is uh, I not only predicted how great Justin Jefferson was going to be, it was so insanely accurate. Like I should be, I take victory laps. Uh, I've got a, I've got a screen grab that I drop on Instagram when I have to. Now, mind you, uh, I did not think that Justin Herbert was going to be a great NFL quarterback. So Everything always balances out. Of so I, for everything good, there's there's something where you're like, okay, but I was wrong about Justin Herbert. But I love that kind of stuff. And when you see, and when it comes to the Bears, I remember being very excited when David Montgomery was drafted. I remember I, I had actually, because I had worked the first night, and I was off on that Friday. And funny enough, it was draft Dr. Phil who, who texted me. I was at Costco with my kids. And he's like, hey, pace traded up for David Montgomery beside myself. So I think that part of the excitement for the draft is finding a guy that you like your team drafts, and then he becomes a good player. I don't think anything beats that. I 100% agree. And, you know, we, the, the time that for bears fans in recent history, draft season is like our super bowl season, right? It's yeah. because nobody loses on draft day. Never. Generally speaking, there's always going to be fanfare and excitement around the player you draft. And it's that very powerful emotion that I talked about before, which is hope. Every draft pick represents a chance that he is going to be the Tom Brady of his position. Because you never know. Like, you really never know who is going to be the next great one. It could be a fifth-round pick, undersized receiver from Tulane, right? Darnell Mooney who is a guy that when he was drafted, I said, oh, man, 170-pound receivers, they never make it. He won't even make it to a second contract. That was my response. Now, watching him develop into a pro's pro at the position, you never know who's going to be great. And there's also the part of it too, Adam, right? Like you see your background, all the Bears gear, you're committed, you're all in. My background, I'm this is a club, right? This is a yeah. this is like almost like we nobody's met each other at, at, in most instances, but this is like a family, right? When you yeah. cheer for the same team, and when the Bears draft a player in the second round, first round, fifth round, you're welcoming a new member to the club. There's yeah. excitement anytime you have a a new a new a new ally, a new a new person you're going to go to virtual battle with. So 
there that excitement, the player that he could be the next great one. He could be the beacon of hope for the franchise. And if nothing else, it's a new running back that you get to see in preseason. It's a new quarterback yeah. throwing passes, new guy catching touchdown passes. It's fun. The visuals are fun. And, and, and again, we haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time. So the closest we can get to that right now is winning draft weekend. And every player gets us one step closer to that. And I remember Cole Komet being a huge Bears fan. And so when he was drafted going through, you know, the whole process, you kind of can commiserate with him. You're like, I, I can only imagine what it would be like to not only be drafted in the NFL, but the team that you grew up rooting for. You played for Notre Dame. It was the low, the, you know, in, a, in essence, the local college drafting you, all that great stuff. So a lot of that, all that kicks into it. I will say this, though, too. It also really, like, I know that I was talking about being wrong about Herbert. I remember being so wrong about Dana Howard when he was coming out of Illinois. Like, you're probably not old enough to remember him. But Dana Howard was like the Buckus Award winner who got drafted by, I want to say the Cowboys. And they, like, he fell. Like, he, he fell to the fifth round. You're like, well, how is Dana Howard, like, not going? Like, this guy, these teams are making a mistake. They'll, they'll rue the day that they passed on Dana Howard. And then I don't think that he – he might have played a snap in the NFL. Right. Like, not – like it's just crazy. You're like, oh, it's just so bad. But it is, it is the most exciting time. But for like four months, I was telling anybody who would listen, like Dana Howard is going to end up. When, oh, you know what? I'll tell you this one too. Uh, a friend of mine years ago, he, I was working for a magazine called NFL Insider, which is part of the NFL Publishing Group back in the day, and I was like a junior employee or whatever. And he's like, Hey, you do draft stuff. Is there anybody that you, you really like in this upcoming draft? And I said, you know what? I go, there's a kid that nobody's talking about. I I interviewed this player. I go, yeah. I go, he's got this amazing story. Like he, he played at New Mexico. He was like the tight end. He was the linebacker. I think he kicked an extra point. He's a punter. Like this Brian Erlacher guy sounds amazing. And whatever team he goes to, he's going to dominate. My friend's like, okay. He's like, I've never heard of him. I'm going to remember it. And he, it's funny because like he'll, he'll go on Facebook and he'll, every time draft season runs around, he'll be like, I'll never forget the conversation I had with Rank, trying to call up a player who I'd never heard of who was going to be great. And he said randomly, Brian Erlacher. And I'm like, oh, I remember that. That's another draft year I remember very clearly because. I, I'm of the opinion when guys come out in the league and they're like a player without a position, like where's this guy going to play in the league? It's more the freak athlete versus actual football position player. I'm always very weary of those guys. I'm, yeah. you, know, you don't have a fit that you excel at in college and you're entering the league and we'll just figure it out when he gets there. You know, Michael Parsons may have changed that a little bit this year, but I have, I'm, I've always kind but of Isaiah, but Isaiah Simmons the year before was exactly. exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. I always tend to push those guys a little further down my ranking. So back then Erlacher was kind of like one of the first ones didn't know where he's going to play outside linebacker, inside linebacker, safety. Even talking safety. Right. Yeah. And that's the year I think Plaxico Burris was in that draft for Michigan yeah, State so. that year. And I, I so. was a huge Plaxico guy. So I think the Bears took Erlacher ninth, ninth, and Burris went tenth, or Burris went eighth, and then Erlacher went ninth. And it was one of those like, oh man, we should have had Burris. I wish we would have done that. Yeah, step on my part because then two years later, Erlacher's one of the best young defensive players in the league. Burris caught a winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, so I think both things. I mean, he he was good. He was definitely legit. But Erlacher Hall of Fame stuff can't be gun gun laws in Illinois are different, so he probably wouldn't have gone to jail. (laughs) 
So no, and I'm not trying to be flip, but like I, eh, whatever. Facts <laughs> are facts. Facts are facts. How about another question, Sammy? I feel like we've been on a roll. Uh, <laughs> can't believe you got Matt LeBlanc on your show. Thank you, David, for finally saying it. I would, but I think Matt Matt LeBlanc is a very handsome. I think he's a handsome devil. But this would be Matt LeBlanc after he lost 30 pounds. Have you seen him lately? He's put on he's put on a couple of LBs. You look, I think you're a better looking version than Matt LeBlanc. I appreciate that. I appreciate are you a, are you a friends guy by any chance? Uh, not directly, but I but I I do know the reference. You have to be now. Okay, uh, Berlissimo weighing in. Question for Brian: uh, Where does Ujabu fall? And at what point do you say forget the need? This dude is a first round win fit. And you know what? We've seen, I mean, this was something that Ryan Pace did pretty well, getting these injured players and still drafting them, you know, be, you, despite the injury. How far, how far do you think he falls? You know, it's a it's a great question by Berlissimo because Ojabo. You don't you don't have wait, hold on. You don't have to suck up to George. Listen, he's my guy. I'm I got it. I got it. He's my guy. I know, I know. So you know, Ojabo. I wasn't as high on uh, – I'm not as high on, I should say. It's not, I don't want to refer to him past tense, but I'm not as high on Ojabo as some of the general consensus. I don't think he's a top 20 talent in the draft. I think he's a top 20 – here we go, right, a top 20 athlete. Yeah. But he's so raw as a pass rusher. And I, if I'm an NFL general manager, there's a certain level that I'm willing to commit in terms of resources to develop players who I take early in the first round. And then when it seems like it's going to take a little more than that to get a guy to where he has to be to get to unlock his true potential, I, I push him down a little bit. I think that's where Ojabo is. He's a little too raw for my liking, which means a great majority of his grade for me, and I still have him as a first-round player, is his athleticism, his burst, his explosive ability. You put a torn Achilles into the mix, and I know that we have seen this narrative after Cam Akers' injury, that oh Achilles are like ACLs now. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't buy that at all. I don't. I don't think that's I don't a, buy that. By the way, all. Cam Akers was not as good. No, like, I know he came back and played. He was ter- like compared to the way he played before his injury. He You're did not play well. Right. He did not Plus, play well for the Rams. When he came we out. have a lot more of you know history on guys coming back from ACLs and 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 recovering over the last five years. Achilles is still kind of like the new ACL. We're not at the point where we could say an Achilles, I'll give it 12 to 14 months and you're back to where you were before. So if you're talking about a severe injury, like a torn Achilles on a player whose blue chip trait is burst and explosion off the edge, I'm pulling back quite a bit. I don't think he's a first round pick. I see some NFL media types are saying between pick 20 and 32. I don't see a chance of that. I don't see top 50 getting toward the end of round two maybe it starts to bubble up. Um, but it's so unfortunate because it's literally five, six weeks away from the draft and he tears his Achilles at yeah. a pro his Achilles at a pro day that he didn't even have to work out at. He did no. fine at the NFL scouting combine. He was a top 20 pick entering the pro day. He would have been a top 20 pick no matter what he did at the pro day. He wasn't going to jump into the top 10. So it's just, it's a horrible story. And I think we're seeing the repercussions of it. Aiden Hutchinson, I think, is starting to cancel some private workouts, and guys are not going to work they out. Uh, they absolutely should. Um, so I think to, to kind of a very long-winded way of answering the question, I don't see him as a first-round pick, and I think he's going to be waiting a really long time on day two before a team rolls the dice. It reminds me of Jalen Smith, 
who I thought, you know, was a great player at Notre Dame. And then the Cowboys took a chance on him. It didn't really, I would have to say it didn't work out. I could see, I could see an instance where a team who is flush with draft capital, nothing to lose, maybe wants to get, well, the Rams don't have a pick, but um, moving into that last pick or two of the first round for the only reason in that you could extend him into the fifth year option. Like that's the one thing that works into his favor, but ultimately I think he falls. I don't think that. Anybody well, I mean the, the team that would probably in that scenario make some sense is the 32nd pick Detroit lions, right? The hometown college yeah. team. They're not pushing for a playoff uh, appearance next year. They're still in, in this early, very early phase of a rebuild. If they take a quarterback at number two, which again, I don't think is going to happen, but everybody's talking about Malik Willis being the second pick. Oh, I'm saying that. Yeah. I'm worried about it. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, They're not going to, this could be a very heavy investment in the future of the lions in the first round, a quarterback who's not ready in year one, an edge rusher who's not ready in year one, but almost like getting two bonus first rounders in 2023. If both of these guys hit and actually end up starting for them. No, I agree. And, uh, not to veer too far off course, but Malik Willis to me seems like the perfect, perfect quarterback to go to the Lions because they have Jared Goff who can start for him this year. And you know what? I think a lot of people don't understand because they see like, well, this guy played at Liberty. You're like, no, no, no. He was recruited to Auburn. Mm-hmm. He went to Auburn. Okay. Like he, it's kind of a Joe Flacco type thing. Like Joe Flacco did not just get not, he wasn't you know, under-recruited and ended up at Delaware. Like, these guys were recruited. Yeah. He just had to go get playing time somewhere that probably worked out in his favor. Instead of sitting the bench at Auburn, you're better off going to Liberty and playing. I think he's got some talent, and I think as long as you don't need him to start, I, I don't think that it would be any worse. Like, Trey Lance went third overall last year. I don't think that Malik Willis is far behind him if he is at all. So, I don't know how your evaluation is on him, but I – So – you don't like them. It's okay. It's, I don't want to say that because then I'm on the record and that's the worst place to be when you give a you draft. You don't have to be, listen, you don't have to be on the record, but what I, mean, I will like, say is this. You can like other players ahead of them and not, it doesn't mean that you don't like them. Like you can Pearl Jam and Nirvana. See, I, I know I can use this example with you because you've heard of both these bands. <laughs> like Pearl Jam and Nirvana. You can be like, I like both of them, but I like Pearl Jam more. That doesn't mean I think Nirvana sucks. I just like Pearl Jam right. more. Totally get it. Trey Lance, great example. I wasn't high on him last year. I'd be very surprised if Trey Lance develops into the quarterback that he was propped up to be be by draft media. Trey Lance benefited from probably more than any other player having his final season at college canceled because they went off of a phenomenal, what is it, 40 touchdowns to one interception season. And in the only game he played in the 2020 college season he had like two touchdowns and two interceptions or something so his stock might have came way down if he had a normal year and i think the fact that he couldn't unseat jimmy garoppolo jimmy garoppolo perfectly fine starting average nfl quarterback but if you trade the house for a player that is supposed to bring something magnificent to your offense and he can't at any point unseat garoppolo I'd be a little nervous about him. So when you talk about Trey Lance and Malik Willis and kind of the same kind of guy, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. They are very similar. Malik Willis to me, but not a good way. Home run if you take him in the second round. 
I would take Malik Willis in the second round 10 times out of 10. But to have him come into the NFL with the pressure of a being a first-round quarterback, and if the Lions actually take him at number two overall, the pressure that is attached to that level of a pick. I saw him down at the Senior Bowl. I was there. I watched him up close. I paid very close attention to him because, you know, having made several trips around the sun during draft season in my tenure, I knew what was coming with Malik Willis. I knew that he was going to be the guy that by this time in the process, we've seen it a couple of years ago, Tom Savage, when, you know, a month before the NFL draft, the Pittsburgh starting quarterback was suddenly in the mix to be the number one overall pick. He ended up being a fourth round pick. We yeah. saw Nathan Peterman from Syracuse, who was supposed to be, he could be the number one pick overall. That's true. He washed out of the league. Now you have Malik Willis, who he is a first round quarterback. He's going to get picked in the first round because of traits. And that's the most dangerous thing a team can do when picking a franchise quarterback is pick a guy solely on traits. And Malik Willis on tape is erratic, inconsistent, cannon of an arm, doesn't always hit his intended target. And even as a runner, very good, above average. We have to stop saying he's a Lamar Jackson type or even a Josh Allen type or any of these guys that can be like legitimate game changers with his legs. Very good runner. I don't see him any better than Justin Fields as a runner. And when Justin Fields was coming out as a prospect, his ability to run was viewed as a plus part of his scouting report. But he wasn't like Lamar Jackson. He wasn't this guy who's going to be the most dynamic dual threat quarterback in the league. So what happens, in my opinion, when you have a quarterback like Malik Willis, who is very traitsy, when you have some big voices in draft media who really attach themselves to a player, they'll start pushing up a part of the game that's an obvious positive. Yeah. And the parts of the game that are somewhat negative come down and out of sight, out of mind. Look at the athlete. Look at the place he makes with his legs. Just ignore the fact that that pass sailed 15 yards over the wide receiver's head. I yeah. saw somebody in, in from ESPN, I think they're uh, maybe the Panthers writer, he wrote something about after Malik Willis threw that 65-yard strike in his pro day. We all saw that video today on Twitter, 100%. all around social media, which, by the way, Zach Wilson made that throw last year. Justin Fields made that throw last year. Mac Jones made that throw last year. Insert quarterback at their pro day here. It's a scripted workout. These guys drop these dimes left and right. Kenny Pickett made some very similar throws, maybe not 65 yards on the move, whatever. But these guys, that I don't know if I remember Kyle Bowler throwing the ball 55 yards through the uprights from his knees at yeah, his pro day, which was the big thing, right? So you got to put all that stuff out of your mind. But this ESPN writer said, wow, there were shades of Cam Newton on that response, maybe just the energetic personality. There's a little bit of Cam Newton in that. Cam Newton was 6'5". Yeah. A completely different player, a completely different athlete, a completely different type of quarterback than Malik Willis. But this is where we are. This is the boredom, the paralysis by analysis part of draft season. If Malik Willis goes second overall to the Lions, I'll be a very happy Bears fan. All right, good. I was getting worried. Okay, good. You've talked me off the ledge. I was getting worried about it. And by (laughs) the way, we know why they compared him to Cam Newton. Like there's like, I know why you're like, it doesn't matter. You could be – there's reasons – I'll just say there's reasons why. All right. Do we have any more, Sammy? What do we have? I know we we talked a lot, but I feel like we answered a lot of your questions. I thought that this is – I thought we've been crushing it so far. But um, 
Let's go with DJ Profit here for a moment. Uh, he's asking us, if we were building a franchise, would you prioritize left tackle or wide receiver for your young quarterback? Personally, I would go with the left tackle. I think that's the most important thing. Unless we're talking about Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell, I would have gone with Jamar Chase. But I think everything being equal, I think it's probably better to have the left tackle. How do you feel, Brent? I, I agree. First of all, supply versus demand. It's much harder to find a franchise left tackle than a wide receiver one. There's just so many wide receivers that can make plays these days. And yeah. it's number number two, what good is a wide receiver who's wide open down the field if the quarterback's on his back? So you have to have the left tackle. You have to have the quarterback. Then you got to protect the quarterback. Then you have to have weapons for the quarterback. So th that would be the order I would go into. Yeah. By the way, the Bengals had been signing guys, and it drafted people. It made sense to go with Jamar Chase. All right. Is there another question, Sammy? I don't want to leave anybody out in case there was. Uh, who's the best Bears GM since Super Bowl 20? I think we got to go back to the Lovey Smith days. What is it, Phil Emery? Was he the mm. – I think that's – am I thinking of that correctly? There's also Jerry Angelo back in the day. Jerry Angelo, yeah. He was good. He traded for Jay Cutler, so you got to give him credit for that. Wait, do I? No, they've done what? Like, they're – like, I don't know. Like, I know that people want to pretend that the Bears have been – miserable since Super Bowl 20 but the 2000s were very good to us and when Lovey Smith took over and went up again he was four and two during Brett Favre's last six games so it the 2000s were very kind to the Bears would have been even better to have a Super Bowl win like we were so close to having a Super Bowl win I think that you know you could go either way there I agree and you know I that's when you bring up Lovey Smith that that's still Burns me up. I, I feel like he's a coach that never got the respect he deserves. I mean, maybe this is, you know, looking at it in hindsight and obviously seeing how things worked out after he uh, was fired. But Lovey Smith to me, and that guy deserved a few more years in the job. The Bears, the Bears haven't been as good, as consistent, as reliable of a football team since he left. And, and that goes a long way to him as a coach. You know, I think, um, that was a good era, a good run. Jerry Angelo, you know, had his misses, right? But yeah. it, every general manager, in my a general manager, in my opinion, is going to always be remembered by their biggest quarterback move. Mm -hmm. And Jerry Angelo was the guy. I believe Jerry Angelo traded for Jay Culler. I believe he was the one. I think that's um, correct. Unless somebody will correct us in the comments if we aren't. But so uh, making that move felt like it was a trade that heard the bears fans cries for something better and i respect the the aggressiveness to actually go out on a limb and get a guy because i mean if we look back jay cutler was going into year three i think at that point yeah universally recognized as one of the most talented quarterbacks in the nfl had a falling out in denver and the bears actually i will not another bears moment you never forget my wife was pregnant with our first baby at the time. I'm on a golf course with a buddy of mine, and he looks at his phone. He's like, oh, the Bears just traded for Jay Cutler. It was insane. I had a reaction that the people on the golf course probably thought, like, I just found out I got to get off the golf course because my wife was in labor. Like, yeah. it was an absolute feeling of euphoria that, assuming it was Jerry Angelo at the time, I will always thank him for that one moment as a Bears fan, even though it didn't work out 
the way we all had hoped it would because Jay Cutler, you know, his tenure was, depending who you ask, maybe uh, unsatisfying. But it was still – it was it was the closest the Bears came to having the franchise quarterback until now. If I if I remember correctly, I think that Cutler was traded because I don't think it was a falling out with Shanahan. I think it was uh, McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Yeah, it was Josh McDaniels, which is insane to me. They should have never fired Shanahan. First of all, you don't fire a guy who's won back to back Super Bowls. That to me is always insane. Like, why were you getting rid of Shanahan? That never made sense to me. I think that Shanahan probably should have stuck with Jay Cutler or God, or he should have stuck with Jay Cutler. Number one, probably shouldn't have drafted Jay Cutler. Cause he probably should have just kept Jake Plummer. A lot of things that Denver did were wrong, but thankfully Denver didn't draft Justin Fields. So maybe it's coming back around for us in That's our favor. You. And the, you know, what speaking of that, Adam really quick, you see what's happening with these teams. The Falcons have the sign Marcus yeah. Mariota and all these teams are doing oh. all these teams that it won just overthought Justin Fields last year. Let me and tell you something. They did. Patrick Sertain, uh, Kyle Pitts, uh, who else am I missing? Like these it can be very good pros. Like I will tell you, like somebody, when we were talking about this last year between, well, Kyle Pitts is kind of a can't-miss prospect. And I was like, okay, let's say, what is what is Kyle Pitts' biggest upside? Like what if you look at Kyle Pitts, what do you think? Best case scenario, he becomes what Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. Let's say let's say he becomes Travis Kelsey. Would you rather have Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey? Well, exactly. I mean, it's, that is that is the thing that, and thankfully, these teams weren't thinking in that kind of kind of sense. Like Deion Sanders, the greatest cornerback of all time, did not win Super Bowls until he signed with the 49ers, who had Steve Young, signed with the Cowboys, who had Troy Aikman. You yeah. got to have the quarterback or it doesn't I mean, matter. One, one year after drafting Kyle Pitts and Marcus Mariota is throwing passes to him. Now, I like Mariota. I think he'll be a fine starter. But what is Kyle Pitts' max upside now? It's not even Travis Kelsey, right? Like uh, he's well, not going to be that kind of player if in the perfect world he is Travis Kelsey plus probably, right? But yeah. in 2023, 2022, you could be entering maybe year one post Matt Ryan with Justin Fields as your starter. Now you're entering quarterback purgatory. Well, Marcus Mariota hoping to maximize this four or five. By the time Kyle Pitts' true value is maximized, they're going to have to be breaking the bank on a second contract for him. 100%. Although I will say in PPR formats, you'll probably get all the targets and can have like a Mike Thomas-like season where it's like he has 120 receptions, but you know maybe 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns. They're not going to win games though, which is like exactly right. your point. Fantasy, it might work out because oh, there's nobody else. Because Russell Russell Gage is gone, like everybody's gone. Like he's the only guy who can catch passes. Yeah. Um, but in any event, I'll, you want to do one more? Let's do one more. Sam, sure. do you have one more? I know. I'm keeping every. I'm keeping every late. My kids are waiting to come back into the house. <laughs> um, but I saw the prodigy's question earlier. By the way, I think the prodigy's also asking for some hat. We should, you know, the guy who makes these hats. It's embroidery. Uh, it's a company that does not only Bears hats, they do a lot of cool stuff. Find Embroidery on Instagram and all that stuff. Go check out their stuff. Maybe we can work out a deal with him. Maybe he'll come in and, and provide some hats for us to send up. To. I don't know. I can't I can't speak for the man, but I know that he's been able to work with me. Uh, so check out Embroidery. I follow them on Twitter and on Instagram, so make sure you're checking them out. Uh, great stuff. It's the stuff that just, Justin Fields wear these hats too. 
wears these hats as well. Uh, but his question is, do you foresee a run-heavy scheme or more of an air raid offense? I think Getsy trust Monty and Herbert more than our wide receivers. I think the way that the team's constructed right now, and I think that we saw this last year, like Green Bay had Devontae Adams, so they fed Devontae Adams a lot of targets, but they also ran the ball an awful lot with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and I expect both of our running backs to be employed in a similar type of circumstance. How do you see it for the Bears this year? Yeah, I totally agree, Adam, and I'm really excited about David Montgomery this year because much like you, uh, I had David Montgomery as my RB1 over Josh Jacobs the year he came out. So 100%. The fact the Bears, the fact the Bears got him in the third round, we have seen in spurts the type of almost like Saquon Barkley-esque ability from David Montgomery in terms of his contact balance, flexibility, his ability to break tackles, and despite running what was a 4-6 at, at the combine, he could flip the field with some open field speed as well. For he sure. just needs – a chance to get into a rhythm. The toughest defense that David Montgomery has faced so far in his career has been Matt Nagy. He has been the biggest problem, uh, the biggest impediment of David Montgomery actually being unlocked as one of the best all-around running backs in the league. I think David Montgomery could have a very similar season to what Kareem Hunt had back as a rookie with the Chiefs when he led the league in rushing with like 1,400 yards whatever it was, something along those lines, because he's that kind of a talent. He is absolutely one of the NFL's best pure runners in terms of feel for the game and the ability to get those hidden yards that there's no way that Getzi's going to look at this roster and say, my best chance at scoring points is by doing something other than getting Montgomery the ball, which seemed to be just almost that insane feeling this year when Matt Nagy would go drive after drive series after series and Montgomery might have three or four carries at the end of the first quarter and his fifth carry isn't until the third quarter I mean it was just inexplicable to me so I I think you're going to see a very run-oriented offense and you know look a young quarterback's best friend is a really strong running game so I think that's going to be a priority with this team and Khalil Herbert was an absolute steal last year that dude can be a a 1200-yard back in his own right uh, you know, we got to probably change these stats. That's off a 16-game schedule in my mind. A yeah. third year back in his own right. So the Bears are loaded. They're they're ready to rock and roll at running back, and I think you're going to see a – and then, I mean, you've got Justin Fields who can run too, right? So a little yeah. action game to David Montgomery. Like, the outside, he's gone. So I think you're going to see a, a really strong run-first offense, and unless the Bears can land some real talent on the outside to complement Darnell Mooney – I think we're going to go another year without that 4,000-yard passer, man. Yeah, that's fine. Even with 17 games, it doesn't matter. If the Bears are out there showing improvement, and I think with the landscape in the NFC, with all the good quarterbacks fleeing, running to the AFC, I think it, there's an opportunity for the Bears without to sneak in as an, as an eight and nine seven without seed wild card, which I would take. As long as Justin Fields is improving as a quarterback, I think that is uh, that is paramount to what we want to see. 100%. All right. Well, listen, uh, we could probably do this for hours, but I want to save some for your inevitable third time here on the show, which I think, listen, there's there's no doubt in my mind uh, that we are going to ask you back. So hopefully we can do that again. But I want to let everybody know where they can find you. Oh, wait, what are we saying? Listen, the, the on the podcast, too. Listen, we'll do whatever. Anytime. Listen, Brian. George, like these guys have open invitations. I We have not I'm been shy. I'm going right now. I, I want to be the, I might be the third number two, but 
But the I want to be the number, two. number three. You would be the first to have done both because I don't think we've had. I think I don't think George did take it to the rank. So I don't know. You could you could be like the Deion Sanders where you played offense and defense. I'm ready so, to like, go, man. I'm just the, the Hester. Game, I'm ready to the go. The Hester. Shouldn't call it the Dion. <laughs> call it the Hester. But I do want to thank you. Want everybody to check out the Draft Network. What else? Anything else you need to plug before we get out of here? Bears fans, follow me on Twitter at Brian Perez NFL. It's Brian with a Y. And over at the Draft Network, uh, it is a draft-oriented website, but we cover all things NFL, and I'm on the team there to focus on the Bears. So you can find all my Bears content over at thedraftnetwork.com. All right. Well, we sincerely thank you for being our guest here tonight. I know we'll see you again very soon. The great Brian Perez, there he goes. And to all the Bears fans out there, I know, again, I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself as I say this, Patience, patience. We're 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 twenty minutes into this four-hour movie, and at some point we're going to see all the pieces starting to come together. I just want you guys to hang out and preach some patience, or I'm going to preach some preach some patience to you. And I want to remind you on Thursday we will be having a great guest. I can't give away who it is yet. We're still working on it, but let me tell you, if we land the guest that I think we're going to get, you are going to want to be here. You're going to be so thrilled. You are going to thank me. But in any event, I thank you for being here tonight. Thanks to everybody who left questions. You all are the best. It is one of the reasons we're able to keep doing this stuff. So thank you so much. Be sure to check out the Draft Network, all our friends over the Tape Never Lies Network, everybody who's churning out Bears content. We're we're a big family. I know there's a couple of new Bears podcasts starting. Go check everybody out. We're in this together. So until Thursday, bear down. Sammy, play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.